Bible, uh, just wave to one of the men coming up the aisles right now with Bibles, and they'll put one in your hand, marked to our passage this morning, so that you can hear the Word, but see it with your own eyes. And if you don't own a Bible, please make that Bible a gift from the Lord to you today. Romans chapter 12, verse 16. Paul writes, by the Spirit of God, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for how faithful you are to us. And we thank you, Lord, for how you have used your word to fashion us and to change us and to work a miracle in our lives. And we pray that you'd speak to us into our personal relationship with you this morning as we study your word. We know your word is always speaking, but we can be dense or it can become routine. And so we pray, Lord, that your spirit would open up this passage to us and, and that you would give us ears to hear what it is that is important enough to you to include in this book and what is an expression of your love toward us this morning. And we pray these things asking for this work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. We remember that in verses 9 through 16 of this 12th chapter of the book of Romans that the Apostle Paul is describing what being a living sacrifice presented to God uh, will look like specifically in our relationships to one another as uh, Christians. And this morning we come to the final of these series of encouragements and exhortations here in, in uh, verse 16. And verse 16 is made up of four commandments that are <clears throat> can seem a little bit disjointed, but they're all united by a single theme. And the theme that unites these exhortations is the theme of pride. And I think it's a very, very fitting way for Paul to close this section uh, that addresses our relationships between one another as Christians uh, on this subject of pride because there's nothing in the whole world that is more uh, dangerous to an organism that is based upon relationship and, and indeed an organism that is dependent upon relationship uh, for its health, for its prosperity, and even for its existence than this thing called pride. And of course, the fact that Christianity is uh, an organism is attested to throughout the entirety of the New Testament. And we're continually referred to in the Bible as the body of Christ. And how it is that each and every one of us are connected to his headship to be uh, led uh, by him. We're submitted to his headship of Jesus within our lives. But what Paul does is he takes the imagery even further than just the body of Christ speaking to the fact of Jesus' headship within our life. And he moves further to describe how each and every one of us is Christians. Not some group of Christians in uh, uh, Egypt or in uh, Russia or in Argentina. 
but how it is right exactly into this room this morning and and how it is that each and every one of us as Christians needs to be in a healthy relationship with one another in order for the body of Christ to function as it ought to under Jesus' headship. Uh, Paul talks about it, familiar passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we've all been baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. But in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Even earlier in this chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, you notice in verse 4, Paul wrote on this very issue. For as we have uh, many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And the reason that pride is so dangerous to something that is relationship-based is because pride always expresses itself at the expense of others. In fact, most often pride always expresses itself to the injury of others. The word pride, as it's used so often in the Bible, it carries the meaning of seeing myself above. That's what it is to be proud, to see myself above. It is to see myself above other people or to see myself as better than other people. And one of the problems with pride is that if I really see myself above others, if I really believe myself to be superior to others, then I have to be constantly proving it to others. And so this innate sense of superiority, of being better than other people, ultimately it will always begin to seep out into every relationship in my life. And it will do so in open ways and it will do so in subtle ways. Uh, It'll take the form of treating people rudely or being dismissive of, of other people's views or their perspectives or uh, any ill treatment of other, other people. And because pride can only be expressed as the, at the expense of others, it's no surprise that people recognize it immediately and they resent it when they come into contact with it. And invariably, pride will cause conflict in our relationship with other people. And the, the Bible records, uh, I think, very aptly concerning pride in the book of Proverbs, just one of the Proverbs dealing with it, Proverbs chapter verse 13, verse 10, by pride comes only contention, talking about relationships. Uh, and, but uh, the proverb goes on, with the well-advised is wisdom. Pride inevitably leads to conflict. And simply put, people are just not excited about being treated the way a proud person treats them. And additionally, uh, the average person uh, typically does not share 
the proud person's uh, view of himself or herself uh, that they are uh, superior. Now, um, for these reasons and more, uh, it is simply impossible to develop uh, deep, meaningful, healthy relationships with proud people or with a proud person. And since Christianity is all about relationship, it is all about a vertical relationship between us and God, and then about horizontal relationships with other people. Pride is the absolute cancer in the body of Christ. It is in fact the polar opposite of what Christianity is intended to be and what it is intended to produce uh, within us. I think it's also important to uh, say something about the subtlety of pride within our lives, and, and, it, and it operates within all of our lives. One of the interesting things and one of the most dangerous things about pride is not just what it does to other people uh, from our lives, but one of the most interesting and dangerous things about pride is that the very first thing that it does is it disables a person's capacity to recognize it in our own lives. Uh, it ultimately takes us to a place where we are too proud to recognize our pride. And now pride has a free run within our lives to do all of the destruction that it will inevitably do in every relationship within, within our lives, within the body of Christ and out, outside of, of the body of Christ. This is why the proud person is almost always the last person to recognize their pride. Uh, everyone else recognizes it typically long before they do. We simply become too proud to, to recognize our pride. And often, it, it, oh, this only occurs after tremendous damage has been, uh, been done. And I think that the single greatest protection we have against pride in our lives as Christians is the mirror of the Word, as uh, James describes uh, the Word of God. The Word of God, which will always tell us uh, what other people will not tell us and reveal to us uh, what we would, and speak to us what we would never receive from any other person in our lives, but we will receive it because God uh, speaks it to us. And of course, all of this makes us appreciate these exhortations of Paul concerning pride uh, all the more. You notice he says that we're to be of the same mind toward one another. Uh, the Amplified Bible, uh, the New Living Translation, the Phillips Translation, they uh, capture the heart of this sentence uh, identically when they translate it, live in harmony with one another. And it speaks of, of just possessing the ability to get along with other Christians. And to get along with other Christians despite the broad diversity that exists within the body of Christ. I mean, you think about uh, all of the different personalities just in this room, let alone in the body of Christ worldwide. And, uh, and all of the, the diversity in terms of cultural backgrounds, life histories, interests, giftings, callings, and so forth. And so this is a rebuke of the pride that takes the form of fighting and arguing and uh, contention in a person. 
And there is a certain kind of person, not only in the world, uh, but among Christians, who just loves to fight. Uh, They just love contention. They love to argue over everything. And sadly, this kind of person begins to view it as some kind of a virtue in their life. I just have to say everything that comes into my mind. I'm just an honest person. And, uh, and they think it's a virtue, but it isn't a virtue. Uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21. As charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And I think there are many Christians who are like this. And I point my finger to myself as well and wanting to be instructed this way. But they look for a fight. They just look for a reason uh, to argue. They can never be wrong. And there's no other view but their view. And when they show up at a church or at a home fellowship or in a meeting or they call you on the telephone, you just know that this is going to turn into a fight over something. It's going to break out. And so fight, fight, fight. It's all they know. And they create tremendous division and disunity. And they make life absolutely miserable for everyone else. And for them, contending earnestly for the faith, as Jude uh, commands us to do in in his short uh, epistle, it means contending for their particular view on every theological issue. Uh, uh, No other views are are worthy of consideration. And they possess no capacity to agree, uh, to disagree agreeably with anyone over anything. And they know nothing of uh, St. Augustine's famous statement in fundamentals unity and non-essentials liberty and everything love. They think that kind of a saying is just a cop-out for carnal Christians. And Jesus' beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, that's equally lost on them as well. Again, the proverb, by pride comes only contention. And more often than not, You dig down behind uh, every contention, certainly most contentions, and you're going to find pride at at the the core of it uh, somewhere. The ability uh, to get along with people in general, uh, Paul is saying here as well, is an asset in a person's life, an asset that usually comes after gaining some measure of of humility in the course of our lives. I'll give you a silly illustration, but I think it makes the point. I have a neighbor who is a a rabid uh, Los Angeles Rams fan, and he was so excited about this year's Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots as it was uh, approaching. And he spoke so excitedly of his team being in the Super Bowl And as I listened to him uh, going on and on uh, related to it, I didn't bring up the fact that the New Orleans Saints got robbed in their divisional game against the Rams and that they should have been in the Super Bowl uh, instead. And that if the Rams actually won the Super Bowl, there ought to be an asterisk that came up next to their name that when you click on it uh, would provide pictures of... Uh, each of the officiating crew uh, that stole the game from uh, the New Orleans 
saints. And I, I speak of this illustration knowing uh, that there are no Rams fans present. This is a, a, foreign, uh, a foreign entity. But I'm listening to him, and all of these things are going through my mind, uh, carnal being that I am. Uh, but I didn't bring any of them up in the conversation. And uh, why didn't I do it? Because I just enjoyed him being excited over his team being in the Super Bowl. And I happen to like him. And because I, I value the peace and the unity of our relationship as neighbors over and above my opinions about a comparatively insignificant issue in life. And if I'm willing to take that, uh, uh, to do that uh, kind of thing for the sake of the peace and unity of our neighborhood, how much more should I be willing to do what is within my power to get along with other Christians for the sake of the peace and unity of the body of Christ and the local church that, that I attend? This kind of thing, it, it only happens as we grow in humility and we grow in our respect for other Christians and their freedom to hold views that are different than mine and in areas of Christianity and, and, uh, that don't involve compromising the standard of Scripture. The second thing Paul uh, exhorts us here is do not set your mind on high things. And here we have uh, the condemnation of pride that takes the form of selfish ambition. In other words, uh, seeking elevated positions, not only in life in general, but more to Paul's point here, to do so within the church. And to, uh, and to seek elevated positions and high positions within the body of Christ or within the church uh, out of uh, a motivation of pride, out of a sense of self-importance. And, and Paul condemned this kind of thing very, very powerfully in his letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, that is pride, but in lowliness of mind let each of you esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And I think that it's important to understand that the Bible does not condemn ambition in general at all. Uh, it, it, indeed, it, the, the Bible encourages uh, a godly ambition, ambition as a part of industriousness in life. And so godly ambition is commended. Uh, uh, having goals in life uh, out of a desire to glorify God, to do good for people, all of that is a very good thing. What is condemned roundly and uniformly in the Bible and what is uh, being condemned here among us as Christians in particular is people striving for position or for power in the body of Christ purely out of a selfish motivation, uh, out of uh, pride, out of some psychological need uh, to be over people or to be seen as powerful or uh, important as a result. And, and, the, and this kind of thing is the mark of carnality in a Christian. And whenever a person has a selfish ambition this way, especially as is expressed in the body uh, of Christ, it testifies to the fact that that person lacks the humility uh, that is required to safely entrust any authority 
any influence, any power to them at all within a church. And the problem with this is that selfish ambition, this willingness to climb over other people and to use other people in whatever way is necessary in order to reach the top or to achieve some uh, uh, other goal uh, without any concern for the well-being of others. Very, very common in the world, but it's never to mark the church. And so position and spiritual authority, influence within the church, it can only be entrusted to those who are called by God, number one, called by God to it, but then those whose lives are marked by humility, the humility of servant uh, leadership. And so pride in the form of selfish ambition, it is very destructive in an organism as relational as the body of Christ, because I may achieve uh, my position of influence or power within a church, but I will have done such damage to my character and reputation and done such damage to so many people in getting into that position that I will hold no uh, authority at all uh, within uh, uh, people's lives as a respect. No, uh, as a result, no one will respect my authority. As Jesus taught, he said, and, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Paul goes on third in, in verse 16 and says, but associate with the humble. I think other translations are helpful here. The New Living Translation puts it, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Uh, the Phillips Translation, don't become snobbish, but take a real interest in ordinary people. Amplified Bible puts it, uh, associate with humble people, uh, those with a realistic uh, self-view. I like that. Uh, anyone with a realistic self-view is going to be a humble person. And so Paul is telling us here as Christians, we're never to be what the Bible calls a respecter of persons. To ever look down on another human being and certainly uh, down upon any other Christian on the basis of their humble position in life. And to do so on any level is a, is a sign of pride. And so Paul is telling us that as Christians, we're never to show partiality toward people in general. But here he, the, the focus is on our fellow Christians. But we're never ever to show partiality or to come to conclusions about them, their spirituality, their intelligence, their character, their value on the basis of their station in life, of their position in life, on the basis of their positions or their material wealth or where they live or their appearance or the clothes they wear or the job they hold or their formal education or lack of it and so forth. All of this, Paul is saying, is a horrible arrogance and, and ignorance and pride because the Bible teaches we know nothing truly important about another person based solely upon those things. 
And thus, as Christians, we are to never, ever, ever to conclude that we are better than someone else on the basis of those things. And the person who is truly wise and the person who is truly rich in this life, uh, they are, uh, in terms of in the eyes of God, is very different than how we esteem things in in a Western materialistic culture and, uh, or in the world as a whole. And in the face of Jesus' rejection by the rich and the powerful in the Jewish religious system of his days, when the Pharisees and the lawyers came up against him and were rejecting him outright, Jesus took the opportunity to pray, Matthew chapter 11, and he said at that time Jesus prayed, and at that time Jesus answered and said as he prayed, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and the idea is in their own eyes, and have revealed these things unto babes. And so it seemed, uh, even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. He marveled at what the rich and wise and powerful in this religious institution were blind to and ignorant, and how wise uh, the mere babe spiritually uh, was in receiving the things of him. Famously, James wrote uh, uh, of this in his epistle, James chapter 2. He said, brethren... Do not hold, and this is a familiar passage. Let's pretend we're hearing it for the first time. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the ones wearing the fine clothes and say to the other, you, and, and say to him, you sit here in a, a good place, and to the poor man, you stand uh, there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. It it was the common people, we're told in the scriptures, that heard Jesus gladly and and not the rich and the powerful. And and the same thing is true uh, by and large yet today. And there's, there's hardly anything, uh, any practice or attitude within our lives that could be more contrary to the nature of Christ or Christ-likeness within us uh, than to be a respecter of persons or to judge people in this way. It wasn't present in Jesus in one bit within his life or in any way in which he carried himself and interacted uh, with people. It is impossible to be like Christ and to be characterized by being a respecter of persons. But I would contend that there's hardly a person in the world who cannot teach us something in life, uh, even if it's what not to do in life. 
And when we become a respecter of persons, and then by virtue of that, we begin to cut ourselves off from vast segments of the population around us, it is to cut ourselves off from the entire population of the humble in life, or of any, uh, and, to, and to cut ourselves off from them, or from any population, is to cut ourselves off from far too much and, uh, and far too much uh, education that they will provide to us if we will see them as our, our peers. And think about how much more is this true, not only concerning people in life that we run into in the to and fro of life, uh, the unsaved uh, world, but how much more is it true concerning Christians? Talking about sincere Christians, obedient Christians, as God has imparts gifting and calling and spiritual life experience and spiritual depth and spiritual insight and revelation. And he does so across every race and across every class in the world. And you just stop and think about what a small Christian uh, a, 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 a person would be if they failed to interact and to learn from every other Christian in life. Regardless of race, regardless of class, regardless of station in life. We do them no harm, uh, comparatively speaking, and cutting ourselves off from them. All of the harm is done to us in, if we become a respecter of persons. And then in this vein, I think it really does us no harm to consider for a moment how low Jesus stooped. And how low Jesus was willing to condescend in the best sense of the word, not only to provide us with salvation, but then after having saved each and every one of us as Christians to now walk with us and talk with us along life's narrow way. How poor did he find me? How poor did he find you? How wretched was our condition. How spiritually naked were every one of us. How utterly ignorant and uneducated were each of us spiritually. How utterly helpless to lift ourselves out of that condition. Again, Paul writing to the church at Philippi chapter 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, and yet made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, in order to provide us with salvation and to bring us into relationship with him, a marvel that he would be willing to do that for us. And when we understand that, and even have a, a, a surface sense of what he left to come here to save me, and then what it requires of him, the amount of love that uh, is there behind a relationship with me, 
It'll cause a respect of persons or any sense of pride or arrogance that I'm too good to be in relationship with someone else or to learn from someone else. It, it will drive it completely out of our lives. The Lord spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor let the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. And then notice finally, Paul says, do not be wise in your own opinion. And here Paul addresses the divisive uh, power of intellectual pride, of intellectual uh, conceit. Other translations put it this way, don't overestimate yourself. Uh, Phillips puts it, uh, don't become set in your own opinions. Uh, New Living Translation uh, uh, provides uh, tremendous clarity here in translating it, uh, don't think you know it all. And uh, this uh, exhortation, that Paul gives us and closes this section with, it condemns uh, being unteachable uh, as a Christian or thinking uh, that we already know everything. Uh, the Christian who is the know-it-all, uh, who thinks he has nothing to learn from anyone else, uh, will hardly ever be a force for edification in the body of Christ or in uh, the local church because any relationship with them is going to be completely one-sided. And because it will be so one-sided, people will naturally uh, drift away from them. Uh, they will endeavor to avoid that kind of a person. And people will avoid contact with the person who thinks they know everything al al already uh, and, and people will avoid such a person because they recognize immediately that their views uh, in, in that person's life, their views and, and are not valued or respected by such a person. And the problem is, is that because the body of Christ is so built upon relationship, and relationship is a two-way thing, and the know-it-all doesn't quite understand uh, that yet, and so it, it's a destructive influence, uh, in in the, uh, the 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 body of Christ, so this is the person who talks and talks and talks authoritatively uh, on and on uh, on every subject under the sun, and and uh, they never pause uh, to allow another person to speak in the conversation, and uh, and then if they ever do pause to catch their breath, they never listen to what the other person has to say because, after all, what could be added to what they've already said? Uh, I, I, I'm always reminded when I think about this kind of thing, uh, this is an occupational hazard for pastors. Uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote a book called Lectures to My Students. I highly recommend it to anyone um, wanting to go to become a pastor, uh, certainly. And he has a, a section in that book, and it's called The Pastor's Self-Watch. And he warns in that 
that place, uh, that, that chapter of the, 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 the tendency for us as pastors is to, uh, you know, take uh, people listening to us respectfully uh, from behind a pulpit uh, in the context of a, of a sermon and then expecting everyone to do exactly that everywhere else in life and use up all of the oxygen in the room and every environment that we find ourselves in and never letting a person uh, get a, a word in uh, edgewise. And, and, uh, and it is a, a great tendency on our part, but it, it isn't uh, solely uh, with us. And because there is that tendency, one of the things that I try to do is to just remind myself that as long as I'm talking in a conversation, I'm not learning anything. I'm just sharing what I already know. It's only when I stop in a conversation with another person then realize that I don't know everything and, and, and to pause and to listen to someone respectively is a confession. I don't know everything about this. I value your view. What is it that you ha- have to say? And then only in listening uh, to uh, uh, something that someone else is saying that I now have an opportunity to learn something new. And I regularly remind myself in this, in this regard. Additionally, I, I want to be careful uh, to say that there isn't anything wrong uh, with being a person in the body of Christ who possesses a, a deep intellect and, uh, and then communicating in interaction with the rest of the body of, of, of Christ, the product of that intellect to us and to others. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's important. God's made us all different, and we need each other, and we need that uh, in those of you like that. But part of what Paul is saying here is that if God has made you that way to make sure that you are modest in the expression of, of your opinion. It's a part of what he's saying in this final uh, exhortation uh, here in verse 16. The literal translation of this final phrase is to have a humble opinion of yourself. You say, oh, how in the world am I ever going to achieve humility? <laughs> it's so hard. Can you recommend a book? This is going to be so hard to achieve within my life. It's going to take such effort. One of my favorite sayings related uh, to humility is that it's simply made up of two things. Honesty and a good memory. And, and that's the truth about it. And uh, every single one of us, in, uh, I don't have any doubt uh, about myself and certainly anyone else either, that each of us has supplied to ourselves ample reason to walk humbly uh, in life. Paul's clarity on this is uh, uh, unmistakable in his, his letter to the churches at Galatia. In Galatia, he said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, Now if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, ouch, uh, he deceives himself. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Solomon is uh, only uh, a short distance behind uh, that kind of pointedness and clarity in, in his description of this kind of pride in Proverbs chapter 26, verse 12. He said, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Uh, there's more hope for a fool than for him. 
Because a fool, a fool's a tough nut to crack. A fool really is. Solomon isn't minimizing how difficult it is to get a fool to learn anything. But he said there's more hope for a fool uh, to ever become aware uh, of, of the, the dead end of his condition and, and to turn and to become someone uh, who can learn something from someone else than the person who thinks that uh, they already know everything and, and are unteachable uh, as a result. That's a far more hopeless uh, condition. And again, this kind of person will be a destructive influence in any organism that is dependent, as the body of Christ is, upon relationship, upon interaction, and upon uh, exchange uh, for its health. I, 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 I like devotionals. And uh, um, if you are a very, very gifted person in, in writing, uh, 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 to me, one of the, the greatest shortage in the body of Christ is good devotionals. It's one of the problems we all face is once we've walked with the Lord for decades, you know, we've uh, read almost all of the devotionals that are in existence. And the ones that we love the most, we've read multiple times. And we're always looking for a new devotional to help us uh, begin the day with a thought from the Lord and to speak into our lives from a different angle. And so I, I typically will read, uh, you know, uh, three or four at the same time. I may not read four of them in, all in the same day, but I'm jumping around just for that kind of diversity of input into my life. There's one devotional I was reading uh, <clears throat> recently, and, uh, and I read something within it that uh, relates to this, to this subject. And it was an anonymous prayer that someone had, had written and was included in the devotional. And here's the prayer. Lord, thou knowest better than I know myself uh, that I am growing older and will someday be old. Keep me from uh, getting talkative and particularly from the fatal habit of thinking I must say something on every subject and on every occasion. Release me from the craving to try to straighten out everybody's affairs. Uh, keep my mind free from the recital of endless details. Uh, give me wings to get to the point. I ask for grace enough to listen to the tales of others' pains. Uh, help me to endure them with patience. But seal my lips uh, on my own aches and pains. They are increasing, and my love of rehearsing them is becoming sweeter as the years go by. Then for our purposes this morning, teach me the glorious lesson uh, that occasionally it's possible that I may be mistaken. Uh, give me reasonably, uh, keep me reasonably sweet. I, I uh, do not want to be a saint, some of them are so hard to live with. Uh, but a sour old woman is one of the crowning works of the devil. Uh, make me thoughtful, not moody. Helpful, but not bossy. With my vast store of wisdom, it seems a pity uh, not to use it all. Uh, but thou knowest, Lord, that I want a few friends at the end. <laughs> 
And of course, it will only uh, occur as we walk in humility uh, as opposed to pride. And so this very, very valuable section on what uh, being a living sacrifice will look like in our action, interactions with our fellow Christians. And it closes here with this important instruction concerning pride and a call to humility. Speaking of the importance of being a person who is an influence for harmony in the body of Christ, the destructiveness of selfish ambition, the destructiveness of being a respecter of persons, and the destructiveness of being an unteachable uh, know-it-all. And to all of this I say, ouch. Uh, but it is a good ouch, and it does an important thing in our lives. Let's stand together now, and we'll close in prayer.